0: In the skinny podcast only on local 12.com now here's richard skinner welcome into the skinny podcast it's the weekly potpourri edition i'm richard skinner local 12.com digital sports columnist and editor with rick broering each week we look at sports topics locally, some nationally, got a gambling segment, and of course my favorite segment of the podcast, Ask Me, Ask Skinny Anything. You can always do that by hitting the hashtag Ask Skinny Anything, and Rick will uh, will we'll sift through your questions and ask the best five or so of the week. Uh, we got a lot to get to, uh, even though uh, we're kind of now down, we've, we, we've whittled down, uh, the NHL is done, the NBA is now done. Major League Baseball's down to a handful of teams. So now we're down to just football, but now we got some more college football about to ramp up with Ohio State in the Big Ten next week. Feels like within another month, we're going to start the NBA again. So uh, this is a, maybe a time for everybody to take a little breath and just get your football fixed and then get back to everything else when it's
1: going to be crazy again, right? Yeah, I mean, normally that's all we'd be doing right now anyway. Right. So the fact that we've had this mad rush for a few months maybe now has been fun. Uh, but it's time to get back to a little bit of normalcy. And like you said, I mean, football's really about to ramp up into full gear, assuming it doesn't get knocked <laughs> yes. off by the, the COVID bugs.
0: Yeah, it's, it's. I think every SEC team but five is now out for the week. So we're getting there team by team by team.
1: Not great. All right, Skinny, well, let's jump right into it. The uh, biggest storyline from the Bengals, 27-3 loss to the Ravens Sunday, was wide receiver A.J. Green. He was targeted just once in the game. An interception lofted over his head that he made no effort to haul in and then strangely started running back in the other direction as if he was on the Ravens' defense at one point. And moments later, he was seen on the TV broadcast appearing to mouth the words, just trade me to assistant coach Troy Walters. He was then ruled at doubtful return with a mysterious hamstring injury for that game. And on Monday, Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor ducked questions about whether or not green was frustrated by more than just the hamstring injury. He supposedly suffered when asked, is it AJ greens left hamstring, the same one he aggravated in training camp, Taylor stammered with his response saying, uh, yeah, it's his hamstring. He wouldn't comment on whether he had seen the video in which it appeared. Green told Walters trade me and said, any conversation between himself and green will remain private. So skinny, I ask you, what is AJ Green's future with the Bengals both immediate and long term
0: yeah I think that's the that's the good question because uh, you know everybody including myself is has tried to diagnose what happened on Sunday uh, you know what what to make of that but I, I think what you saw and this couples in with with what I said last week I think I told you last week I thought he was done and, and I think Sunday showed a guy who is frustrated with his role frustrated with his age frustrated with his injury issues and thinks maybe a fresh start will will help him um I i think at this stage of the game rick i i would hope you could trade him the problem is that 18 million dollar franchise tag contract still has 13 more or what, 11 more game checks worth on it that's a that's a that's a lot of money for some team to pick up to kick the tires i don't know what the end game is i mean could they do to aj green what the jets just did to Le'Veon bell and say see you later disgruntled pain in the ass maybe are you gonna eat that money i i don't think i would i I guess the, I guess that's where Zach Taylor is at, at with this without really commenting on it is I, I think he's hoping that um, let AJ kind of cool his jets for a little bit and and we'll get him work back in the mix. And I'm still going to get a, a, a quality or a solid enough player to help, but I'm afraid I just don't see it. So I don't know what the end game is. I think the end game is probably um, as soon as you feel like you can, you can eat a chunk of that contract, you let him walk and say, have a, have a great rest of your career, wherever that may be.
1: I've heard a lot of the the local media types and people online wanting to slow play this and say, hey, look, we don't don't know if he actually mouth trade me on the sideline. And
0: yeah, no, from, from what I understand, Tony Pike, he said he said I think he said throw the fade to me. So I'm kidding, of course. Yeah. But, I mean, because because everybody's trying to figure out if it wasn't trade, what rhymes with trade that
1: you can think he's sitting the sidelines? Of course. Well, and and really, you know, I mean, the fact the whole hamstring injury thing, and then the way Zach Taylor is acting to this, it's very obvious what happened there yes. and, and yes. what's going on right now with AJ Green, and. Like, I don't want to overreact to this, right? Like, I hear everyone saying that. I understand where they're coming from, and I understand, like, the good journalist being the good journalist got to say, we don't know exactly what he said on the sideline. Okay, sure, I get it. And I would hope that my, my past history on topics like this would tell you that usually I'm slow to judge the player in these types of situations. I'm usually the one that has the, the player's best interest. They can get away with more, and I put more onus on the coaches and, and things like that. I'm usually a player guy. I'm going to say with A.J. Green, I'm done. Like, I'm so sick of hearing about the great professional A.J. Green was and, and how good of a locker room guy he was when now he held the Bengals hostage for an entire season and sat out, and which I think he lost some serious respect from the guys around him. And now he seems to be... At best, a disgruntled employee and at worst, a bad influence and bad piece in the locker room right now with a brand new quarterback and a young team, uh, a young head coach trying to get things on track. I don't know how you can possibly have that going forward in your locker room from one of the guys that's supposed to be a veteran that's looked up to.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm the one that went on the limb last year. Paul Daner Jr. and I and, and talked about AJ. We thought he tapped out at midseason, and we took a lot of flack for that because nobody wanted to believe it. And I think you're seeing that come to fruition this year for sure. I mean, uh, this was a guy that, that that literally said he's gonna he's gonna take the franchise tag because his wife won't let him pass up the money. So that's really all it seems like he's playing for is just to make sure I got my check. I did. Um, I think I think he he truly wanted to come back and prove something. Cause I think he does want to play, you know, another three, four five years. I do believe that, but I think what you ended up seeing is got hurt again in training camp, came back, hasn't been the same guy, doesn't have the same burst. It almost feels like he's going backwards as far as his, as, as ability goes and, and health goes. And, and so, I, like I said, I'm at that ilk of, if you think you can eat the contract, eat it, send him on his merry way. I, I'm, I'm not opposed to that, but I, I it, it's a big chunk to eat without maybe saying, all right, let, let's just let him cool his jets for a week. Let, let's, you know, maybe he doesn't even play this week. He They 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 sit him um, out of deference to the quote-unquote hamstring injury. And then you let him kind of take pause and say, listen, I, I, you know, you, you need to prove something to the league too. You got 12 games to do it. We're going to try to work you back in. But I, I think his frustration is, is that he can't do the things he used to be able to do. And that's that's not... Zach Taylor's fault. That's not Joe Burrow's fault. That's just father time's fault and, and, and an injury history. So he's got nobody to blame here other than I guess to some degree bad luck. But if you want to give me bad luck with bad hamstrings and, and pay me $18 million to catch 14 footballs, sign me up.
1: I don't want to act like there's no responsibility here for the coaching staff and the offense, because I do think you could probably, Find a way to get AJ Green involved more. And I do think there's probably a way he could be used better they, right now.
0: They've, they've tried. But, okay, here, hang on a second. Here's the thing. And everybody, everybody says that, Rick. Hold on a second, No, He averaged eight targets per game in the first four games. That's what he averaged the last two years that he played full seasons, eight targets a game. They did get him involved. He just can't get open.
1: Well, I, I think that's part of it, but again, maybe he's changed as a player and you need to use him differently or, or again, like it's not like he wasn't open at all in those first couple games. Cause we did see Joe Burrow miss him on that long one in the first game where it would have been an easy touchdown. Like there were some instances where I'm not going to put it all on AJ green. And when you look at this coaching staff, you got to imagine there's probably some things that have slipped through the cracks along the way, because I don't think they're the most competent group either. However, the idea of A.J. Green asking for a trade is laughable in itself. Who do you, who does he think wants him? What, what
0: trade value is there for him right now? None. None. Yeah, a conditional sixth or a conditional seventh. Because, it, again, it, it's not just – people always I, – I saw some people online, trade Carlos Dunlop, Geno Atkins, John Ross, A.J. Green, get what you can get. Don't forget – those teams have to pick up the contract. They're, 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 it's not, it's, this isn't like other sports. This is a strange sport to make trade. That's why trades aren't done very often in this league. Um, the time to trade at AJ Green was last year at the trade deadline, when you probably could have said to the team, Hey, listen, he, he wants to play. He's ready to go. Give me a third rounder for him. I think a team would have done that. Now you're, if you're a team, you're seeing a guy who can't play at all. You're going to give up something to take on another, whatever it is, 11, $12 million left on his contract for this year. Not a chance in hell.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that just makes no sense to me. So that concept in general and just his fall off as a player kind of makes this a non-starter. In all reality, the Bengals are probably faced with the decision of you either keep this guy around, try to, try to see what kind of chemistry you can build between him and Joe Burrow and see if he can help him at all, or you just cut me with them completely and eat a bunch of money. And, and that's right. Th- th- that's where I think I'm,
0: yeah, that's where I think I'm at with this. I, I think
1: I am it, too, personally. M-
0: maybe you, maybe you let, like I said, maybe use the 24 hour rule, or in this case, maybe the, 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 the seven day rule and just take a deep breath, let him, let him get this out of his system for a bit, have conversations with him, see where he's at another week, let him come back, see, see if things are, are going well in practice, Putting back in a game. And if it doesn't work, then you say, listen, we've tried everything and that's it. You, you know, you got to go. And then you're eating nine, nine game checks because it, it isn't, it isn't worth it. Especially if I keep hearing I'm trying to build a culture and what I've seen so far in building a culture is Cordy Glenn, get away with a bunch of nonsense Now, they did let him go at the end of the year, which was the smart thing to do. Obviously, Uh, I've seen Geno Atkins get away with with four weeks of nonsense. I don't know if you saw the quote from Zach there where he talked about him coming back um, on Sunday and he said, yeah, we're glad to have him back after his time off. What what does that? So that that almost sounded like a shot to me, to be quite frank. Um, Yeah.
1: And and said, uh, like, do you think he'll get more snaps and said, no, I think he was used. The way he should have been coming off his time yeah. off or something. Yeah, coming
0: com- com- coming off his time off. That yeah. wasn't coming off his injury. That was coming off his time off. So obviously he thinks that Gino, at least matter of semantics, maybe, but it sounds to me like he thinks Gino uh, could have played the first four games and chose not to. Carlos Dunlap, from what I've been told, absolutely lied through his teeth last week about not being told about being demoted. So he's got some disgruntled former guys that are under the Marvin Lewis regime here that I think he'd be more than willing to say, listen, I'm gonna build my culture. And if you guys didn't want to be on board, adios. And I think we're getting to that point with some of these guys.
1: Yeah, well, I think and for Zach Taylor, I think this game was kind of the, the dividing point, because yes. honestly, like this game shouldn't have come as a, as a pr- surprise at all, like the 27 to three score to me was better than I expected out of this game. I think the Ravens are the second best team in the NFL, and I don't think the Bengals are talented and they have such gaping holes in terms of their ability to protect the passer and their ability to rush the passer that there was no realistic possibility they're going to win that game. So I don't think that really changed my opinion about a lot going on with this team. But the one thing it did do when you combine what's going on with this AJ green thing and it sort of bubbling up with the season ending injury to DJ reader. I think you've clearly seen that Zach Taylor probably isn't going to survive this season or at least he is really behind the eight ball now. So I don't know that he has the authority to get rid of a guy like AJ green at this point, but if I'm Zach Taylor, I'm more than willing to cut bait with any of the guys who aren't on board because I'm probably out either way.
0: Well, and I see I, I'm gonna disagree with that because again, this organization is very slow to do those kind of things, but but kind of to your point, I think if I'm Zach Taylor, then I find out where I do stand. It's either me or them. And, and if it's if it's if it's them, I have to do it my way, which means Mike, I gotta let these guys go. I'm not gonna have them dividing my locker. I'm not gonna have them look. Gino Atkins saw what AJ Green did last year, dude. The players saw it. And that's where, you know, the Geno Atkins of the world that are getting paid, they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to go through all this nonsense for a crap team. And so what do you do? Ooh, my shoulder hurts. I can't prove it doesn't. I can't prove it's not. All strange to me that that he went, he went, he could have been put on IR if it was serious enough. Um, maybe even in that time frame, it was bad enough, could have had surgery, but all they did is just let him stew for four weeks. And I kept hearing he's day to day, week to week, might come back tomorrow, might come back. So he comes back, plays 19 snaps, and then you talk about him coming back from his time off. Um, so, so either man up and, and and start making these tough decisions if you're the organization, or Zach Taylor, or you know, m- maybe then at the end of the year, if, if if he's not allowed to do those things, then yeah, maybe Mike Brown has decided to throw his money back in or his 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 hat back in with those players and say, see you later, Zach. I think it's an, I think we're at the either or stage of the program, and I, I don't know what direction they're going to go in. I just know what this organization's done in the past, and that is they're very slow to fire head coaches.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's going to be interesting to see if the Bengals have change the way they want to do business in regards to a young head coach like Zach Taylor, who really had no resume coming in, if that changes anything in, in terms of how they handle it or not. And we're going to find that out real soon this season because it's it's pretty clearly going nowhere, I think.
0: Rick, I I, I want to bring this up too. And, and, and this is kind of, listen, I'm not a Marvin Lewis guy by any stretch of the imagination, as people know. But <laughs> We're going to look at the Marvin Lewis years finally. I'm I'm afraid. Do you know that if you combine these two seasons so far of Zach Taylor and the last year before Marvin Lewis, you know what the rec- record of the Bengals is in that time frame?
1: Try try I'm not going to match
0: five try five thirty one and one. Sounds about right. Five thirty one and one. I yeah yeah. It tells me that Marvin Lewis changed a whole lot of things around here. My fear is no one else is going to ever be able to do that.
1: Well, and and you might be right. Let me say one thing about this team be, before we move on. I, again, I don't overreact to this score at all. Like the Bengals winning the game and are they progressing a little bit? I think that still might be a thing. But my my issue for Zach Taylor's sake. Is realistically, I mean, with all the attrition on the defensive line and right. and the offensive line being as bad as it is, they're not going to be able to pull out some more wins. Like no. even if, even if they're building a young linebacking core that has some talent and the back seven of the defense is getting better and Lou Anarumo is maybe figuring some things out or what have you, even if they're moving in the right direction, they're just not going to win enough games to be able to look at this team at the end of the season and be like, yeah, Zach Taylor's done a decent job. So I don't know. I don't know where that leaves him, but I'm I'm really interested. To but you but you have Mike,
0: do. yeah, you have Mike Brown, who does not like to fire coaches. He remembers his dad being fired in Cleveland after after 1963. He knows what that did to all the assistants, what that did to his family, and he just doesn't like to do it. He's got a soft spot where that's concerned, and I, I just don't see it taking place.
1: We will see. The other big storyline coming out of the game was the performance of Joe Burrow. He finished the game 19 of 30, 183 yards, no touchdowns. The interception that we mentioned, he was also sacked seven times. He had a quarterback rating of sixty six point four skinny the online sportsbook betonline.ag no longer has him as its favorite for nfl offensive rookie of the year the updated odds have now switched to los angeles quarterback justin herbert at 11 to 10 after he was a five to one second choice a week ago burrow is now the second place choice at odds of five to two after he was the five to four favorite last week Uh, First of all, do you like the new odds on Joe Burrow to win rookie of the year? Would that change you and have you putting some money down all of a sudden now? And second, has there been an overreaction to Burrow's performance on Sunday? Or did your opinion of him change a little bit because of the way he played?
0: Now, my value plays actually on CeeDee Lamb. It was from the get-go, and it still is. I, I think that guy's the best rookie in, in the in the league this year, to be honest with you. Maybe, maybe even Henry Ruggs, but but CeeDee Lamb would be up there for me. So, no, I, I wouldn't put my money on Joe Burrow at 5-2. to two. And, and, look, Justin Herbert has, has statistically outplayed Joe Burrow. I mean, it, it, it's a fact. Now, the other thing is, though, Justin Herbert also hasn't won a game as a starting quarterback, and Joe has. Joe has a win and a tie. And, and listen, you know, that's probably an overstated stat because that's a team stat as much as anything else. But, still, you know, quarterbacks make a difference. Um, That's why they're paid good money. So to this point, while Justin Herbert's played out of his mind to some degree, um, you know, he still hasn't won a game. But yeah, statistically right now, if I had to tell you, if, if I had a vote, I'd probably vote Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow, which is, I know Bengals fans probably hate to hear that. But again, just look at the raw stats. The guy's been better. Does he have better pieces around him? I don't know. Keenan Allen's hurt. Mike, Mike, uh, Mike, I'm uh, um, drawing up complete Mike. Mike Williams is hurt. Um, well, I, w-
1: I want to ask you about that. I mean, they, they, they are down their top three offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Their best player is out. Keenan Allen was hurt in the game against the saints. Right. And they're still finding ways to give Justin Herbert time. He's making plays. Is that a, coaching? The, because again, their Maybe. offensive line is decimated. How are they able to protect their rookie quarterback? And he's able to stay upright and make some plays. And and granted, give him some credit because he's made some downfield throws that Joe Burrow hasn't been able to connect on. But Joe Burrow is not give, getting the opportunities that we're seeing Justin Herbert get in that game against the Saints the other night.
0: No, I agree. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, some of this is, is team related. But again, just statistically, if you want to just do it off of that, Justin Herbert's out, outplayed him. And the funny part is, the Bengals coaching staff loved Justin Herbert. Remember we talked, loved him at the senior bowl. Um, and, and I know they were never going to draft him. Number one, because the safe thing to do was Joe Burrow, but boy, I'm going to hate to think if five years from now, we look back and go, boy, they could have gotten Justin Herbert. I don't think we're going to get there. Cause I, jo, Joe Burrow's done nothing but impress me. I mean, even Sunday, yeah, he held the ball too long a few times and he looked there in the headlighty and all that stuff. And that's what that defense can do to you. My opinion of Joe Burrow is as a, a long time standout quarterback in this league, in my opinion, is changing. But based on on, on this question and, and what we're talking about, Justin Herbert would get my vote right now. And he get if I had money to if I had to choose between one of the two to put my money on, I think I'd put it on Justin Herbert.
1: And I think that's exactly where I'm at with it is is this didn't change my opinion of Joe Burrow much at all in terms of this game because I you go back and you watch the seven sacks again, and sure, there were a few of them where he's holding the ball a little long, but that's what he does. He's a playmaker, like he's trying to make a play. Well and it, when you're not getting opportunities to make any plays in a game you're going to take a chance or two and hang on to the ball an extra beat or two. But for the most part, like the dude's getting free rushers flying at him off the edge, right up the middle. Uh, The plays are poorly designed. I I, I really don't know what Joe Burrow is supposed to do right now. And actually we had a good question that came in uh, as a sort of ask skinny anything, but this is the right time to ask it. Um, Dan says, at what point on Sunday, regardless of the score, did you want the Bengals to pull Joe Burrow for his own protection?
0: Uh, not until the, the fumble was scooped and scored. I mean, it was still 20 to nothing. Mike Thomas makes that catch. They're down to the 40. And yeah, I know it's pipe dreamy to think, but you got to play it out. And and you no, know, they go down and scores twenty to seven with still a good chunk of the fourth quarter to go. And so I still would have kept him in. I know everybody wanted him out after about the third or fourth sack. That's just not how things are done. And and I listen, you're you're you're, you're a professional, and unfortunately you've gotta, you got to you got to play unafraid. And if an injury happens, it happens. But you can't also be reckless. So yeah, once the scoop and score happened, um, I, I think at that point at twenty seven, nothing. He definitely should have come out. Instead, they they decided they decided to protect Joe Burrow by getting Joe Mixon's ass kicked, and that was criminal too to keep handed it to that poor guy time after time after time for two yards one yard two yards made a great catch on fourth down that was stupid to me as well um, so we protect Joe Burrow and we're gonna get Joe Mixon hurt I I'm just damn dumb I, again I, I've lost complete faith in this coaching staff on the offensive side absolute 100% complete faith I'm not sure I had much to begin with I mean, remember, I'm the guy that didn't think the Zach Taylor hire was a good one um, just because he'd never been a head coach and he'd really never been a coordinator. And suddenly he's going to be a play caller and a head coach all at the same time. Um, I I lost a lot of a lot of faith in them on on Sunday, especially with that. I, I thought that was insane to keep keep getting Joe Mixon's butt kicked. And back to your thing about Burrow real quick, too, too. I think some of those sacks were unfortunately they have nobody to stretch the field at all. Nobody. And so Joe's looking for a hot receiver. And all you got is you got two Pro Bowl cornerbacks right locked up into two different receivers. You got other receivers locked up because they're not good enough to get open. So he's looking. He's going, where's my hot? Oh, he's covered. Where's my hot? Oh, he's covered. By then, you're down on the ground. And so um, some of that schematics, too. And so, like I said, I, I go back to I don't have much faith in this coaching staff any longer. Not that I probably should have.
1: Yeah, Dan said for him it was the first series after halftime, he thinks is when he wanted the Bengals to pull Burrow. Um, he he wants to know how much should we be concerned about the Bengals David carring Joe Burrow? I um, think that's every that's on everyone's mind right now. I mean, you yes. keep seeing the guy get hit, it's it's tough not to think that.
0: Yeah, in the one play in the second half that, that made me go, ooh, that he's starting to see goofy things, he he got out of a he was in a scramble situation, had Mixon wide open, what, eight, ten yards in front of him that probably was going to go for a huge game because there was nobody around him and he overthrew him by 10 yards. It was almost like he was so elated to be free that he wanted to get rid of it as fast as he could. And he, and he made a horrendous throw and that's not him. And that, that kind of had me a bit worried of, Oh my gosh, if you're going to start missing those and those circumstances, something ain't right with you. And I I hope it doesn't get to that. And that is, that's a legitimate fear. I mean, that is an absolute legitimate fear.
1: Yeah. And, th- and that's like, I had no issue with the Bengals waving the white flag in that game and saying, hey, we're just going to not get Joe Burrow killed. We're going to pound the ball and and take our loss here and and run it every time. But can you use another running back? Mix in yeah. somebody else? Like, how, like how you said, that is...
0: How about Samaj P. Ryan? He ain't going to get many more carries the rest of the year. Let him get beat up. And I don't mean that negative towards Samaj. No, it seems
1: like the right time to use a guy like that. Yes, That's why exactly. you have him on your roster. I mean, exactly. otherwise, what's the point? That makes... I mean, it, it really is almost abusive to do something like that to one of your players, what they did to Joe Mixon. That was insane. But you know, who's not whining at all about any of this Joe Mixon Joe Mixon. No, right. I'll tell you what, for the reputation that guy came in with and, and rightfully so for what he did in, in his college days, it, the dude in terms of a locker uh, locker room guy seems like everything you'd want.
0: Uh, I, all I saw was a guy in a, in a meaningless fourth quarter drive, continuing to play his heart out and and, and, i mean that the catch was spectacular the fourth and one because he had to spin around to make it i mean that was very wide receiver like it was a beautiful catch it could have been listen at that point in the game you could go well i made an effort i kind of put my hands out no i mean he legitimately wanted that ball badly went and got it and there he is into eight man boxes running hard for a yard at the end of the game that tells me a lot about that guy
1: No question. Skinny, one last thing, because, you know, there's not a lot of positives to take from that game, but I I was out of town. I came back and I rewatched it when I got back in town. And the one, one of the things that kind of did stick out to me is the fact that, the back seven of this defense, I mean, they can't get to the passer at all up front, but the back seven of this defense, I was so worried about the linebacker position coming in to the season. And the young guys have have made some play. I mean, I shouldn't say made plays because they're not exactly playmakers, but they've been solid enough to to be in position and be better than I expected. Jesse Bates is playing out of his mind. Um, what's kind of been your take on the back seven? Do you think it was just a game where both teams kind of waved the white flag and was just trying to get it over with? So the Bengals defense looked better than it actually was against Lamar Jackson. That was a little banged up. Or is this defense doing some things and moving in the right direction? I think they're moving in the right direction a
0: little bit. I, I, I do think that, that there's no doubt. I mean, Lamar only carried it two times. And and that was by design. His knee was not right. And so they did everything they could to protect him. So they didn't really run their full offense, which um, took some pressure off, too. When you kind of come to the realization Lamar ain't going to run today, that takes a lot of pressure off those linebackers. Uh, they, they can then do a lot of other things that they're used to doing in normal circumstances. So um, let's be clear there. But, um, you know, I thought Lou uh made, made a good point. The, the the interception Jermaine Pratt dropped, he said that... Um, he said that the way he played it, and I'm paraphrasing here, was his responsibility was was to ignore what was going on in the flat, because apparently, I guess that's just, just window dressing for that particular play that they run, and he was supposed to drop into a zone almost late to kind of disguise it, and he did. Now, he should have caught the ball. As Lou said, it, it, it left an imprint on his chest, but he said the point is he made the right play for a rookie as opposed to getting faked out by them showing you the thing that they want you to go get faked out by, and he dropped into the right place. Same for Logan Wilson. He explained that he was going to blitz he had the option to blitz or drop into coverage he faked the blitz he confused Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson did not expect him to be there and he threw the ball right to to Logan Wilson so those are the things to me that 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 are that are impressive is is young guys doing the right things Uh, eventually they start playing faster hopefully and they start making plays and become playmakers because I think that's the thing that this defense lacks right now uh, overall is they have no playmakers whatsoever Jesse Bates has been great I think he's playing at a Pro Bowl level, but he's still not a playmaker. He's 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 saving a lot of things. And honestly, Von Bell in coverage was a disaster on Sunday. Absolutely, and and that's I mean he was that's that's the reason the Saints letting go. He's not a great coverage safety. He's a he's a box safety who's a tackler. Yeah, they moved him up to linebacker a
1: few times, and that looks better than at safety. He can't guard anybody. I mean, he can't cover at all.
0: No, not not a lick. And and that's that was his reputation coming in. And sometimes you can disguise some of that. But uh, no, I I, listen, I I think this defense has played winning football for the most part. Other than the game up in Cleveland, I think they have played winning football. Um, and, And now you need the offense to match that.
1: Reds legend and Hall of Famer Joe Morgan died on Sunday at the age of 77. Morgan was suffering from a nerve condition. The 10-time All-Star and five-time Gold Glove winner helped the Reds to two World Series championships in 1975 and 1976. He was named the National League Most Valuable Player in each of those years. Skinny, when you hear Joe Morgan, what will be the lasting memory or impression that immediately comes to mind for you? Uh, just overall greatness. He could
0: beat you everywhere you wanted to you, you could get beaten. He could get on base. It's funny because he was the guy, you know. He got criticized in his announcing career, and there's there's probably guys like you, Rick, that probably remember him way more as an announcer than you do as a even from highlights of him as a player. Right. So there's a generation that knows him as that, and it's that generation that, that has embraced analytics and sabermetrics. And Joe Joe never did. Joe was anti anti all of that stuff. Although if you go back and look. Joe Morgan, um, you know, has the has, I think, the one of the top wars of all time in, in major league baseball. Certainly, I think the top war of any second baseman. Um, I think post-World War II. Um, he was an on-base machine. So for a guy who didn't embrace that kind of stuff, he embodied that all that stuff. Um, you know, obviously the stolen base is disdained, but Joe was so good at it that he didn't get caught a lot. He was you know, he, he could beat you running. He could beat you uh, with power. He could beat you taking the base. He could beat you uh, walking. He could beat you defensively. Uh, he, he could beat you so many ways. It was that that's what made him such a great player. He, he was literally the complete package. Um, I think the Reds were hoping when they got him, they were getting a guy who could bat second in the lineup. Uh, draw hundred walks, steal fifty bases, you know, hit twelve to fifteen home runs, and 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 be part of a table setting group up there with with Pete Rose. Instead, he became a middle of the lineup, perfect number three hole machine, uh, just a all around great player, and and did it in uh, did it without much fancy or frills for the most part. He really did. I mean, it just seemed like every game I remember him as a kid or going to the ballpark. Yeah, I was drawn to Joe Morgan, but it was never like awe inspired like George Foster when he would hit home runs with that black bat. It was it was like, whoa. Joe Morgan just beat you. And it it was it was it was honestly in a no-frill way fun to watch.
1: Well, and he was a guy who was you know, a lot of a lot of people argue whether this is a thing in sports in general, but certainly in baseball, they say it doesn't matter. But when it was a big game, when things were on the line, he had that quote unquote clutch gene. Yes. By- all accounts, you know, he seemed to always come up in the big moments, and
0: I so. think that is a thing, Rick. I know I the, do the, too. The sabermetric I, people don't buy that and don't believe in that. And I'll
1: never, I'll never agree that there's no such thing as being clutch.
0: No, no doubt. I mean, let, let, let's face it; it's the same like basketball. There, there are certain guys that that maybe 72% foul shooters that at the end of the game they're 95%, and then there's 85% guy that. Just gags it every time he's got a big opportunity late in the game. And same thing in baseball. There are guys that you go look at their postseason records, you go, damn, he was clutch. And there are other guys where you go, hey, that's why they lost in the postseason all those years. Clayton Kershaw, great pitcher, right? But there's something to why that guy's no good in the postseason. I don't yeah. know what it is, but there's something to it.
1: You just can't deny. It. I mean, a lot of this stuff is mental. And I I believe in the numbers and everything, but that's part of the picture. And the mental game is a big part of it too. And I I think they're it, it is a different story when you get in the postseason for a lot of these guys and and that's what I think you know really stands out about Joe Morgan for for my era I think that came up with the internet a lot of the things you remember about Joe Morgan is also the firejoe morgan.com website <laughs> uh, which was a big you know baseball media site the early internet kind of and it was interesting because I heard an, an interview with the guy who made that website and he said you know we, we end up Feeling pretty bad about that name and after we made it big because it was never about disliking joe morgan or actually wanting him to be fired uh but he, he made the point that you just made skinny that it it bothered them so much that joe morgan was this guy who w- was all about the analytics really if you looked at his career all the, ana- the new found analytics that that say how valuable a guy is Joe Morgan would be embodied it, yeah, way more so in that, in that area. And, and he embodied all that stuff and that for him to get on the air and, you know, spout off the old timer stuff and bash analytics the way he did uh, really drove them nuts. And he said, that was really the whole point behind the website. Uh, but, but I thought that was an interesting interview and an interesting perspective to hear. And he made a very similar point to what you just did. So um, certainly a sad, sad day in Cincinnati. Uh, it was good to hear a lot of the stories though, from, old time teammates and media members around town and all that type of stuff. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's kind it's of bittersweet kind of- when those things happen because you get great perspective from them too.
0: Yeah, it's the, it's the kind of stuff that, that starts making me feel old when I see Tom Seaver, who was in my lifetime, and Lou Brock, who I got an autographed baseball with Lou Brock and Bob Gibson on it from when I lived in Tulsa. And they, the Cardinals came to town and um, I got them to autograph a baseball. And, uh, you know, Lou Brock and Bob Gibson and and uh, now Joe Morgan and Tom Seaver. Um, all of a sudden, those guys are starting to click off one by one by one. Those were all guys I grew up idolizing and watching and uh they were the guys of my youth and man that that's when you start seeing them go off one by one you go okay yeah father time does get us all doesn't it
1: definitely We'll switch gears here to the NBA as the Los Angeles Lakers took down the Miami Heat 106-93 to in Game 6 of the NBA Finals on Sunday night to give the franchise its 17th title, tying the Boston Celtics for most all-time in NBA history. It marks the fourth championship for LeBron James, who finished the night with a triple-double of 28 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists on his way to winning his fourth Finals MVP award. Skinny, first of all, do you see this year's championship as legitimate, or do you think the bubble in COVID takes anything away from it? And second, does this change LeBron's legacy in any significant way, in your opinion?
0: I, I guess it does a little bit. I, it shouldn't, because I've never thought of him anything more than, than one of the greatest of all time. I'm not getting into the debate if he is or not, because, again, I'm not going to compare all the eras and things. Um, but uh, for this era, he certainly is. And, and I think the thing that shouldn't be discounted here, Rick, is... What he did in Cleveland with lesser talent. Yeah. He had Kyrie as a sidekick, but it wasn't a super team. What he did in Miami. Yeah. He had a couple of sidekicks, Dwayne Wade in his primish and Chris Bosch was a good third part, but that wasn't a super team. Um, and this wasn't a super team. Yeah. Rajon Rondo won a ring in, in Boston, but he was, he's the quintessential point guard. He's not a complete difference maker, but he plays a role perfectly. I don't want to discount what Rajon Rondo does.
1: But he was also on the scrap heap and had been out of the NBA right, for, right, I mean, he was right, not at right. all seen as a, a star in this league. by any yeah. stretch.
0: And yes, Anthony Davis is a superstar, but the rest of the parts are just a bunch of meh. And so I think that to me, he's done it in three different places with again, good to you. You're not winning it by yourself um, for goodness sakes, but it wasn't like he had two or three other all-stars. I mean, go back to those Showtime Lakers teams of the 80s and those Celtics teams. And, and whether you like Scottie Pippen or not, whether you think he's a top 50 or not, he did get voted a top 50. So that's a pretty good running mate for, for, for Jordan. And, and Jordan kind of, you know, those teams weren't super teams, but they had plenty of talent. But I think for me, it shows that, listen, you put just enough parts around this guy, he's going to find ways to win. And it's not just the four titles, Rick. It's the four titles plus how many other, other finals he's gotten to with, with lesser teams. So to me, it doesn't change his legacy. It just makes me go, hey, it, it, you know, don't, don't discount with this guy. I know we get LeBron fatigue, and I get it too. In fact, the day after I had to start turning off radio stations and television stations because everything, I, I swear to God, I must have turned on four different shows, and the first word I heard was LeBron, and I went, I don't need to hear many more of this. Click. Um, but no, and, and as far as legitimacy – yeah, I, I, I think there is something to home court advantage, right? There, there is. It's why you fight for it and you want it and you didn't have it for anybody in this. But I think the one thing, Rick, that makes it legitimate to some degree was, yeah, the heat got hot and maybe they shouldn't have come out of the East. But I think all year we looked at the East and went, there's four or five or six teams that can come out of the East. There wasn't a super team in the East. And the West was loaded. And with all year, the Lakers were considered the best team in the West, maybe them or the Clippers. So one of those two comes out. wins it i I, yeah i think it's legit i think the lakers proved to be the best team i i mean they really weren't threatened yeah maybe one game of the series they look bad in every series um but for the most part of that they would take care of business so yeah i I think it's more than legit
1: well and this nba season was fully played i mean it it was actually a longer grind for all those guys it wasn't like baseball where you just got a two-month flaky Mm -hmm. season you had the whole season that determined the seating and yeah, things were broken up and some teams got players back from injury and all types of things happened before you got to the bubble. And it was a, an extended time off certainly, but to me it, it, it sort of was a tougher championship to win because you had to stay mentally locked in for a longer time and, and come back and do it after a little bit of a break. So I don't take anything away from the championship for the fact that it was in the bubble or the fact that they had the, the stoppage in play because of COVID. And, and here's the other
0: reason I don't Rick, you know what? every team that was in the bubble had the same exact parameters to play under. So was not like a team had an advantage?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, which in college basketball, there's going to be all types of inequitable parts and moving pieces this year. So it'll be much different, but yeah, everyone got to play on, on a level playing field for this. So I don't think you take anything away from that in terms of LeBron's legacy. I do think it is fascinating to see a guy do it with three different teams. And we always heard about, oh, he, he gets the finals every year because he's in the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference is so big. Okay, well, let me go out West and do it. And guess what? Same exact result. And the, the crazy thing to me is how you see, like, when LeBron's injured with that Lakers team. Yep. They're terrible. And granted, Anthony Davis, is the, I, I get it. It's not the exact same team. But every time LeBron is not a piece of the team that he was just on, whether he leaves or he's injured or what have you, that team's terrible. Like they have no shot of winning anything without him. And every time that he's there, they're in the NBA finals, no matter Rick, he, who he's, it is.
0: He, he's unguardable. He is completely unguardable. If he wanted to go for 50 a night every night and just be a selfish 50 and I have no doubt in my mind, if he set his mind to saying I'm gonna average 50 points a game this year, I think he'd do it. Because you can't guard him. You cannot guard him. He is unguardable.
1: I, I don't know when this stops for LeBron, I mean, at some point
0: at 47, when he decides, yeah, I've won 10 now I'm good.
1: Yeah. I mean, at some point the knees and ankles and stuff, it's all taken a pounding. I imagine it, you know, he'll just slow down enough, but even still his ability to pass and rebound. And I mean, like he showed the full arsenal in this NBA final series, like the game where he had to guard Jimmy Butler and showed, I can still be an elite wing defender in, in addition to just getting chased down blocks and, and things like that. It's unbelievable. I mean, it really is fascinating to watch the guy still do this, and and uh, how much better he makes the parts around him. And you know, he as much as people want to act like he he doesn't get enough credit. I think everyone agrees on his greatness. I don't think anyone questions that. I think a lot of people are just annoyed with him for for various reasons. Yeah, for various reasons, and and some of them being uh, rightfully so. So, uh, I I think that pretty much does it for our NBA talk. That brings us to our betting segment where neither one of us had a good week last week, but at least I uh, tied you so I didn't fall farther behind. We were both four and six. I uh, am 22, 30, and two overall now, which is awful. You are 27, 23, and two, so Uh-oh. still... Still ahead of that Mendoza line, just barely. Yeah, barely barely showing a profit. i gotta, I got to have a good week this week. Yep. Uh, the Big Ten and Ohio State start next week, so we'll bring them into the fold. Looking forward to that. And uh, no Thursday night football this week due to COVID reshuffling, so we will start on Saturday at noon. The UC Bearcats are at Tulsa. The Bearcats are a three-point favorite. The total is 44 in that game
0: man it's funny uh in the podcast i did with tony pike i i I said this feels like a 16-13 uc win um or 16-13 type game where you're gonna be biting your nails so i can't do that because i gotta come off the three number um it was four when we actually did that podcast so it slid to three man i I think uc is the better team but this tulsa tulsa's shown me something their first two games i mean uh to come back and beat ucf the way they did and to hold them to 26 points first game of the year they went to oklahoma state and, and lost 16 to 7 and it was really a one score game until late in the fourth quarter when oklahoma state uh kicked the field goal um to to uh to widen it to nine uh tulsa's defense is for real i'll go uc 17 13 i'll give them the win in the cover i i the mortal lock whenever it does that means there's going to be five turnovers a piece in short fields and it'll be 31 28 but i'm going to go 17 13 bearcats and you just got to hope that desmond ritter does does better things than what he's done so far
1: wow i i uh disagree on this one totally i love this line this is one of my favorite games of the week i think see UC- easily covers the three points i'm gonna go cincinnati 28 tulsa 17 so that's uc and it barely gets the over there um i i do not think tulsa is as good as everyone else does i don't think most of the aac is as good as cincinnati what, this did year. See,
0: what did you see but what is but what what did you see shown you i think a, a really good defense
1: is elite. Uh, yeah a, re- a really good defense and and i think they have enough weapons on offense that tulsa's defense is good but but not great. I think UC will be able to run the ball effectively, and if Ritter can get anything going in the passing game, I think they'll have plenty of opportunities thanks if. to the defense. Oh well, yeah, yeah, Ritter throwing the ball if, downfield yeah, is a I, big I, if. But they've they've still look as as I've been as critical of Ritter as a passer as anybody. But they've still done pretty well with them back there as quarterback. Like they've still made some plays. So no, they
0: would. I mean, the kids, the kids won games. I mean, I, I can't. Dis- I mean, dis- it's still Tulsa it. we're I, talking
1: about too. Where it's not you know. I mean, I, they're playing in the I, AAC. I, I,
0: I'm noting you. I, I'm noting you. I, I, that's fair, but and in fact, I'm probably like going to take more that. More impressed with UC
1: three games. I'm probably going to take UC as a reverse teaser and take that line up to nine. And and wow. uh, yeah, I I, wow. I think they easily cover. So. Okay. Uh, Saturday right. at noon, we got UK at Tennessee. The Volunteers are a six-point favorite. The total is forty-six on the hook.
0: Um. My my heart is telling me Kentucky and my head's kind of telling me Kentucky a little bit. Really? I, Tennessee looked a mess running the football. They, they, they've they actually, I looked at their three games so far and, and trust me, I I was all over Tennessee last week, getting the 12 and at halftime, I felt so good about that pick. And um, yeah, that didn't go my way. And part of it was because it, Tennessee's offensive line is a mess. They can't run block. Once Georgia brought the heat, they couldn't protect Grantano. And, and I think Kentucky, Kentucky should be three, and zero in my opinion, Rick, I think they outplayed Auburn. I think they outplayed Ole Miss. Again, your record is what he says it is, and they dominated Mississippi State. And granted, it's a Mississippi State team that's gone south very quickly, and Kentucky didn't do a whole lot offensively. But I will go back, and, and believe it or not, Mississippi State is, is elite defending the run. I mean, the first three games, including Kentucky, they just dominated LSU uh, up front, and they dominated Arkansas up front, and they dominated Kentucky up front. So I'm going to chalk up Kentucky's lack of running game more to, to how good Mississippi State is defensively, believe it or not, especially uh, you know stopping the run. Um, so I, I think Kentucky can go get the win. I don't think they do because they just have this bugaboo for beating Tennessee. They just don't do it very much. I'm going to go volunteers, volunteers 22-20 on a late field goal.
1: So you've got Kentucky covering and the under then. Yes. All right. Yes, uh, Correct. I Yeah, I just can't do it, not with this Kentucky team, not with what they've done to me this year. Uh, thankfully, they they finally pulled one out this past week, but nah, it ain't happening against Tennessee, who, like you said, they've just struggled against in the past. This is another game that I think it covers easily. I'm going to go Tennessee 27, Kentucky 14, so that's Tennessee and the under. That takes us to Sunday at 1 p.m. We've got Bengals at the Colts. The Colts are an eight-point favorite, and the total is 47.
0: Colts have been really good at home, man. They dominate their 2-0 at home. They've dominated opponents at home. Um, I, and, and I I just think the Bengals are going to hit this funk. I I don't know if they sh- I, Look, I, I said on Sunday in the Sports Authority that, that they could go to Indy and maybe win because this is such a week-to-week league. But with the injuries piled up, um, I mean, who knows who's going to play defensive tackle in, in this game. I think the Colts will run the ball. I know Phillip Rivers will probably mess up and give you a gift or two, but I don't think it'll be enough. Uh, it's going to be a late goofy cover Colts will get a field goal maybe to widen it out I'll I'll go Colts 23 13 so I'm going to go Indy to cover and the under
1: that's hilarious. I have uh, Colts 24, Bengals 14. So we're right on that <laughs> okay. same score line. Just one point difference there. A um, little, little more hole numbers for me there. I'm thinking touchdowns. You're thinking uh, field goals. Think and field goals. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is fine. I, I I think you're dead on with the way this game plays out, though. I think the Colts cover it. I think it, the Bengals perform better than most people expect coming off that Ravens game, but they just don't have enough bodies, especially up front on a defensive line. So. Uh, we're, we're in the same boat on that one. Sunday night, eight 20. We've got Rams in San Francisco playing the 49ers. The total is 51 in that game. The Rams are a three and a half point favorite
0: and 49ers look a mess. Don't they? Yeah, that um, was
1: just an awful showing by them. And and maybe I overestimate Look, I, I, I had them
0: going into this year. I didn't think the Niners would make the playoffs. I thought they'd, they'd take the regression from super bowl to no playoffs. And, and they're obviously trending in that direction. So that part's right. But um, you know, they went to New York, stayed in New York and beat the Jets and Giants back to back and beat the daylights out of both. And I think now in retrospect, and, and they got hurt there. Remember, the I think it was the Jets game where they lost what, whatever, three or four different starters in that game. Um, Garoppolo among them, although he came back this past game and when he was a train wreck. Um, I just I, I don't think the Niners are very good. The injuries are caught up to them. They're, they they they've have a, a three ring circus going on at quarterback at the moment. I think the Rams um I didn't think they were a playoff team this year either but I think they're really good. They 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 can run it. Jared Goff's been really accurate. Um they're they're super defensively. So I do think they go to 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 San or Santa Clara technically where the stadium is and get this win and, and get it pretty handily. I'll go I'll go Rams 27-17 so the Rams in the under for me.
1: I think it's the requiem for Sean McVay, man. I th- <laughs> Like he, he deserves the credit. He's it, it looked like he'd fallen off. You know, it looked like right. it was a one hit wonder. And yep. I think he's proven that he's the real deal now that um, they're they're legit. We're pretty similar on the score here. I'm going to go Rams 28, 49ers 21. So that's Rams and the under for me as well. And that brings us to Monday night, 815. We've we, got-, we got
0: we got we got two on Monday night this week.
1: Oh, do we? Yeah,
0: Chiefs chiefs and Bills because of the the, the way they had to move stuff around. Chiefs and Bills at 5 o'clock. I'll give you that one since you don't have it written down, so write this down for me. This is interesting. Chiefs are a a 3.5-point road favorite at Buffalo. The total, 57.5. So I gave you the number. You give me the pick.
1: What do you think about the Chiefs this past week? That shocked me.
0: Yeah, I think that they just do what it happens to every team in this league. You they just have you just have a bad week and you get bored. And in a boredom boredom week, they still put up thirty two and um Patrick Mahomes was itching to get one more drive and and to the Raiders credit, they ended up running out the last four minutes of the clock. And so he never got the ball back after they cut it to 40 to 32. I was hoping because I have Patrick Mahomes as my fantasy quarterback. So that meant he was going to throw every down um, late. But I, I I really thought when they made it an eight point game, I thought, yep, they're going to force overtime and find a way to win us. The Raiders ended up running out the clock and, and honestly, the Raiders are a good team. I don't think they're, you know, elite by any stretch, but I think they're playoff caliber team. And, that's what happens sometimes in this league. So yeah, I I don't think anything of it. I, I honestly don't.
1: I, I told you uh, Mahomes must have been on Gruden's quarterback school on ESPN. <laughs> He's undefeated against quarterbacks that went to a school. That's, That's the something. best betting stat going. That's a good one. Uh, I made it up. I have no idea if it's true, but I'm just yeah. going to keep throwing it out there every time he, he wins a big game. Um, so, I don't see this as a legit issue. I'm, I'm with you. I think the Chiefs are, get bored, and they play down to competition occasionally. I think they roll the Bills, who are coming back down to reality a little bit after what we just saw this past week. I'm going to say Chiefs 35, Bills 24.
0: Yeah, I'll go. Uh, so that will be the
1: over, too. Chiefs yeah, in the over.
0: I'll go i I'll 35-27, go I'm kind of with you on that. I'll go thirty. I'll go 38-28. Let's go there. I'm, I'm in 10-point mode this week. I'll go Chiefs 38-28, <laughs> so the Chiefs and the uh, and the over for me as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. That brings us to our final Monday night game, 8-15 p.m. You've got Cardinals at the Cowboys. Cardinals are two-and-a-half-point favorite. 54-and-a-half is the total.
0: Yeah, I know that part of that line is no Dak, right? It's Andy instead of Dak, but part of that line is also because Dallas's defense is just atrocious. I mean, they are horrific. But I'm also I'm not buying this this Cardinals team yet. I know they're three and two, but here's their three wins, dude. The Niners, football team, and Jets. And their losses, they lost at home to the freaking Lions and then got punished on the road by the Panthers. So yeah.
1: to me, I think I'm, I think I, we thought the 49ers win was better than it was yeah, at the time. Right. And now it's looking like eh, that that ain't what we thought.
0: Yeah, I I think the Cowboys, I, I think they do find a way to win this. I I, I look. Andy's no question; he's the best backup quarterback in in the league. And so, I don't think their offense has a huge drop off. I do think they rely on the running game probably a little bit more. Um, you can't get in a shootout. And that's the fear here. I don't think Andy wins shootouts by any stretch. Um, and, and that defense for for Dallas has been so bad. But you know, they found a way to win that that Giants game. They kind of have a chance to maybe start taking control of that division a little bit. Uh, and and I think they get the win at home. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Red Rifle and, and the Cowboys. 31 Cardinals, 27. So Dallas gets the outright win. I don't need the two and a half points. And in fact, I'm going to put them in my teaser when I get to my three team teaser in a second here as well. So Cowboys, Cowboys get the win uh, and the over.
1: Skinny, skinny, skinny. (laughs) You're going afternoon, Andy, in a primetime game on a podcast in Cincinnati. Uh, Primetime.
0: How many primetime games has he played in Dallas? He's 0-0, baby. Starting a new era. He's (laughs) starting a new era.
1: So everything you said, I would agree uh, about this game. And, and the Cardinals being a road favorite, uh, not a lot of that makes sense to me until I just get to the fact that it's afternoon Andy playing in a primetime game. And there's no way in hell I'm going to bet on him in that situation. Although if you like the Cowboys at all, great opportunity to take an underdog on the money line, but I'm just not going to do it. I My heart just can't take afternoon Andy in a Monday night game, I'm going Cardinals 34, Cowboys 28. So that's Cardinals and the over for me.
0: All right, now it's on to our teaser portion of the program. What are you going with this week?
1: Uh, give me yours first.
0: Okay. Well, I'm going to tease the. I'm going to tease the. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to do a six and a half point teaser this week. Is that okay?
1: That's all. That's quite all right.
0: All right. I'm going to do a six and a half point teaser. So it's gonna it's gonna drop my odds just a little bit. But I'm gonna take the Cowboys up to nine. I'm going to take. Um, the Buccaneers at home against the Packers, they're getting to so I'm going to take them up to eight and a half, and I'm going to take the Dolphins down to two. They're an eight and a half point favorite at home over the Woeful Jets. So the Dolphins down to two, Buccaneers up to eight and a half, Cowboys up to nine is my three-team NFL teaser
1: of the week. I think that's that's not bad. I'm going to go with a little uh, little local special for you. All right. I'm going to take the Colts, up to 14. Ooh, gonna do the reverse. Yes. And I'm going to take Cincinnati up to nine. So I'm doing reverse teaser, Colts and Bearcats. Okay. And that should give you about plus 725. Yeah, odds. that's
0: a, It's a good wager.
1: I'm uh, plugging it in right here for you Cincinnati minus three reverse teaser minus 6 so plus 785 on that. Wow. You get the Colts at minus 14 which you get means the Bearcats for, for, at minus 9. For
0: those wondering if you bet $100 you'd get 785 back if you bet $10 you'd still get $78 back so that's I I do love the reverse teasers man. The the value of those are really good especially when you want to want to have a real solid opinion on on a game. I I don't know if I trust the Colts going up to that much Rick just because it's still Philip Rivers making mistakes but they have dominated the two teams they've played at Lucas Oil this year.
1: I agree. I, um, I I don't love it either, but I also think there's a reasonable chance that it happens. And and to be honest with you, like when you're doing a reverse teaser or the pleaser, as, as we like to call them now, uh, thanks to whoever told me that on Twitter. I, I think that's really what you're doing is what what has the best probability of happening? Because none of them are expected when you're taking the line six points out of your favor. So you just go with uh, could you see the Colts blowing out the Bengals? Well, absolutely, the Bengals could be a complete disaster this week on defense. So um, I I think it gives you some value. And like I said, I really like that UC line at minus three.
0: Yeah, I just don't. uh, I I think it's a Bearcat fan. You're going to be biting your nails in that game, folks. I just do.
1: Fair enough. All right, let's get to our Ask Any Anything segment where people uh, ask questions and I ask them to you and you respond in any form you see fit. So exactly. We will start with uh, uh, an easy one here. A favorite your favorite cartoon as a kid.
0: Um, uh, I'm, I'm still a Flintstones guy. I I know it was more of a, of a, of a, of a show than it was a cartoon, but it was a, it was a cartoon. Um, yeah, I'm going to go that a, a sneaky one for me. And I don't, I don't remember why I liked it, but speed racer was a good one for me. Maybe it's because it was, it was the letter. Those that are old enough to remember when channel 19 was kind of a, uh, in its infancy as a station, they had the uh, the Larry Smith puppets and Hattie the Witch, and they would do cartoons in the afternoon. So as a little kid, um, I'd watch the Larry Smith and his puppets and, and Hattie the Witch, and Speed Racer was kind of the featured one. So I'm gonna go Flintstones and, and Speed Racer. I still to this day, the Flintstones come on me TV at six o'clock, and if I'm at home, I don't miss it. I just I I have to watch it. It's
1: just, it's still a classic to me. I actually watched a lot of Flintstones growing up, and I think because I didn't have cable at all as a kid, I have I have like kind of the older cartoons because i think that's what they played on on network tv a right little bit right more. so right. um that pink panther was a pretty big one that i liked a lot and ninja turtles were my guys that's who i rolled around with so. i you
0: know it's so funny and that was a little past my time obviously i couldn't stand the ninja turtles couldn't stand it why i the don't Teenage know ninja turtles were, yeah, yeah were i don't know probably maybe, the best cartoon invented maybe like i said maybe it was, it was way past my time i
1: was past cartoons at that stage of the game that's crazy uh, along those same lines, what is your favorite Saturday night live skit? I,
0: uh, th- there was the, the, there was one with, uh, uh I, I can't remember what the skit was specifically, but it was, it was Dan Aykroyd in, in a, uh, in a restaurant, John Belushi, they were working behind the thing. And, um, it was, it was, it was, it was the the line was they, they people would order and you hear Pepsi, Pepsi, cheeseburger, 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 no Coke. And I'm like, Wait. it was, it was just a goofy one that, that, that went to me. I was, every time I see it, I laugh at it, but honestly, just about anything Eddie Murphy did made me laugh. Um, Hollywood hot tub where he did the James Brown stuff. Uh, Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. Uh, there's just so many, a lot of stuff. Belushi did too him as the samurai because he literally, he was so comedically genius with, with Pratt falls that, that, took a lot of physicality same thing for for uh for chris farley yeah i mean chris chris farley with with the uh the motivational speaker i mean you could tell the stuff he would do people people that were doing the skit with him um you're, you're you're try so hard not to laugh and he's just so damn funny he just takes over the screen that you can't help but laugh along with him um so yeah there, there's so many um that, that, the world
1: world famous billy goat tavern it looks like is what you were that's referring it. to yes yeah yeah, yeah uh skit and and the, yeah the uh, Matt Foley motivational speaker yeah. living in a van down yeah. by the river I mean there
0: really they're, there's there's so many I, I mean yeah. there really are it, I used to love I used to love Gilda Radner played a, a character where she was a, she played like she was a little girl and she'd jump on her bed and and say some goofy stuff and it just she was just so funny I mean it, yeah it's just there's so anything Bill Murray did I mean him as the lounge singer I always loved him as the <laughs> singer star was nothing but star wars I mean he was great
1: I mean he's the best for some reason, whenever I think of Gilda Radner, I think of her uh Barbara Walters, but when she was yeah. like, ba 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 I always think of that immediately. I, my mom loved that when I was growing up. I watched a lot of Saturday Night Live with my mom, so very good memories well, of you know, you watching know, you the know, older skits.
0: You know, it there. is funny, Um, uh, it, just because of all of our schedules at family TV time, it's just not what people do anymore. But honestly, sometimes on Saturday nights when my kids were younger, Um, they love watching Saturday night. Live. In fact, my, my oldest daughter, who's a theater major, she wants to work on Broadway, but secretly she actually wants to do stuff on Saturday night live. She's written a couple of skits. Um, She literally, that's what, I think that's her dream job is to perform on Saturday night live, to be honest with you. So um, she, she, she's kind of with me. She likes watching the old ones. Occasionally comedy central will have marathons during holiday times and uh, they'll they'll do ones from back in the seventies and eighties and that. And she loves watching those too, because I think she understands how fascinatingly good those people were. And it was funny because it, it, it that that show has gone through peaks and valleys where it looks like it's about to die out and then it comes back and it looks like it's about to die and, and it's amazing how long it's run and what what star power that that show has made for a lot of people to go on and star in movies it's it is crazy to think of, of of how many people have come through saturday live and gone on to stardom and again it just shows you that's why that show's gone on for so long is it's just a lot of talented people doing funny funny stuff
1: yeah I mean, it's just a great concept. It's kind of—I think everyone likes to think they would be able to fit in and and be in a writing room or something at least right. at Saturday Night Live, right? And have a great time and yep. and contribute, but in reality. All those people are insanely talented. Yes. Um, even the ones that that you don't like as much or that flame out. I think a couple of the ones that really come to mind for me right away is the the Matt Foley motivational speaker from Chris Farley and the Chippendales from Chris Farley. Yeah, uh, that's, that's great. Two of the funniest skits, without a doubt. The another one that probably isn't my favorite, but for some reason just gets referenced a lot because I don't know, I'm, I'm a guy who's in locker rooms a lot or whatever. Is the uh, do you remember the old sweaty balls? Skits? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs>
0: that pete, i don't know pete, why
1: that seems like to come up once or twice a year for me i think pete
0: pete sweaty with his famous sweaty balls yes. and it was and it was, the, it was they, the two, they, they interviewed him in the npr radio voice too that he, that was the best part
1: yeah yeah they did their their radio show and uh the best was during christmas you could get the sweaty ball sack i, I love your sweaty balls they're so good <laughs> it's great <laughs> all right skinny well the red rifle this is uh guess back to our betting will the red rifle lead the cowboys to the playoff or even better a win in the playoffs
0: Yeah, that that was funny. That was the group text I'm on. We kind of asked each other that question on Saturday, like, oh, my gosh, Andy's going to fall into his first playoff win in Dallas. And and Jay Morrison, who works for the Athletic, kind of brought us back to earth. And he's right. He said, I think they get in at seven and nine. And unfortunately, they're going to wind up playing the 10 and six really hot wild card team and get beat. (laughs) And that's probably what's going to happen, because I do think they're going to win that division by default. Um, You know, seven wins feels like it is going to win that division. And I think they can get the seven. I mean, if they win Monday, they're already at three for goodness sakes. And they still have to play. I think they still play Washington twice. They play the giants another time. I think they play, they still have Philly twice. So uh, I think they're in a great position to do that. But yeah, I mean, (laughs) I, I think the fear is they go seven and nine and, uh tom brady goes 10 and 6 or uh, pick pick another team um the the rams are 12 and 4 in a wild card team and they have to wind up playing them so yeah i, I don't think he gets his first playoff win. i do think he gets him to the playoffs, so all right or i should say they get him to the playoffs
1: all right your uh your close friend just got some great news and wants to celebrate you go to a bar and he insists he wants a round of shots you're put in charge of procuring said shots, but are given no farther information. You add to the bartender. What do you order?
0: I'm not doing the frou-frou stuff. I'm just getting, I told you, I, I made my two daughters when they turned 21 on their birthday, they had to drink a shot of wild Turkey with me. I'm getting around a round of wild Turkey. You got to man up. If you're in my crew, brother.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. I think that's, that's <laughs> simple enough.
0: I, I ain't getting, I'm not going to get any, any lemon drop or any, uh, uh, I'm not going for a Jaeger bomb. I had enough of those in my day where I just want to vomit thinking of them. No, no, no. If we're going to do a shot, a round of shots, and I'm putting charge, man up. You take yourself a wild turkey, get that down the
1: hatch, and let's get going. I don't even know what. I don't, I can't remember the last time. I had a shot and definitely the last time I bought a shot. That's but a I, good point too. It's, it is funny.
0: I, I'm kind of the same. I think the last few times I've had a shot, somebody bought them for me um, when I was on the road with the Bengals. And it always is something like a lemon drop or some frou-frou thing. And you're like, okay, I'll drink it. Cause you bought it. Thank you. But oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. I feel like every time I randomly get thrown, like, and, and this is more, you're tailgating somewhere. You get like a shot of fireball, which right. I don't yeah. hate like some people do, but I don't mm-hmm. like it either. I don't it's just like it whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I guess I would go tequila if I had to go buy it for a group of guys. Ooh, that's, that's, a, that, that,
0: that's a good call, but it, that just sends you down a bad path. Like I said, the, the last time I did tequila shots, I went to the bathroom at a chi and didn't unzip my pants and it was bad. <laughs> So I, 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 I have, I've stayed away from tequila shots for the last 30 some odd years of my life. And
1: I, I'm pretty good at stopping at one when it comes to shots.
0: Yeah. That's, that's something I was not good enough about doing the, the time I did that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like margaritas. I can do that. I can do tequila in that. Um, but tequila shots. No, no, thank you. It, it, it honestly, it just, to me, it smells like paint
1: thinner anymore. Speaking of which, I just tried uh, agave and rye for the first time, which makes me a bad Northern Kentucky guy. Yeah, we did it yes. for the taco week yesterday, and it was really good.
0: Dude, really their good. Chi- their chips are, yeah. are, are, are so different. They're greasy as all get out, but my goodness. And honestly, like I said, their margaritas are fabulous.
1: That's why I was bringing that up. You mentioned margaritas, and their margaritas are really good.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I go to a restaurant, I'm usually getting a draft beer or, or maybe a glass of wine, depending on what I'm having for dinner. But um, obviously, in a Mexican restaurant um, – it's worth certainly trying the margaritas and, and theirs are more than worth it. They are just, they're really good.
1: I, I do. I love that place. I do too. It, that'll definitely be uh, one of my favorites going forward. So, all right. Uh, Troy says, going back to the classic ghost story days of the podcast, if you were a ghost, how would you haunt? Who would you do it to and why?
0: Mm. Oh, man. All right. How would I haunt?
1: Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I, like, are, are you limiting us? Do we only get to hunt in one specific way? Do you have to, well, I guess like we we did decide that ghosts kind of get locked into certain areas, right? I
0: think, or- I think I'd haunt in the closet. Like well, as soon as somebody opened the closet door, like they're all happy with themselves or maybe waking up and trying to get what, get their clothes for the day. I think that's when I'd scare the living daylights out of them because they're just, they're not ready for it. They think they are and you've scared them a bunch of times. And it's just one of those things, you just randomly open a closet door and you don't think of it. Um, I, think I'd, I think I'd scare them in the closet.
1: Who would you choose to do that to?
0: Man, that's a good question. Who do I loathe? I don't I don't loathe a lot of people. Let me think I have to think of this. scare Mike Brown. <laughs> Could I do that? Yeah that'd be um, good. Yeah,
1: I think Bengals fans would appreciate that. Yeah. although I mean I honestly I would, I Brown, I, would I, I,
0: I'd haunt Mike Brown and scare him to the point of each night I'd be chanting so. But here's the thing: Do you think
1: Mike Brown notices a, if a ghost is amongst him? Like, do you think he has that much awareness still? Oh no, you
0: can't frighten me. <laughs> Maybe I'd frighten him at frishes. I'd frighten frighten him in the in the, in the fudge cake. Oh, let's go get. Some All right, now that's pumpkin. just
1: crossing a line. Look, that's <laughs> yeah. That's you, that's, you, that's you don't want to ruin line. a man's fudge cake. That's a good
0: point. I love the fishes at Queensgate. That's what I'd be. I, I'd haunt him at the Frish's at Queensgate. That's what I would do.
1: That's not a bad idea. I like that. I, I think I would like to just haunt the Sentosa Center, and just then become a ghost writer for Musketeer Report. Like I could just keep the same job. Wouldn't even have to change anything. So, um, or I, I unless I don't know. Are are we confined to haunting just one place? Because if we can do different things, and I I think it's like different uh, different time and place, different haunting styles, right? Like you would just do some friendly little pranks around your. Loved ones around the house or whatever.
0: Also, oh, I'm so I'm going to so I'm start looking at my back seat to make sure there's not a ghost back there. I've 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 I've, I've awakened. The, we're we're talking about ghosts, man. He talked about it. Once you start talking about them, they come out.
1: I've done that since I was 16. I always check to make sure there aren't ghosts behind me when I'm getting in. So I honestly right. believe that, to be quite frank. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a believer in ghosts. I've made that I, very I, clear. I, yes, you have. Seems like a natural thing to do, in my opinion. But that's all we got.
0: All right. All good. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming. Uh, We'll be back uh, next week. We got some college basketball we're going to talk about next week with practices underway. I'll leave you with this. Are we going to have a season?
1: Yeah, we're going to have a season. We're going to have an NCAA tournament, if nothing else. They may have to whack everything else, but they're going to play a tournament, and they're going to get money from TV sponsors and networks for said tournament.
0: I I will say this, and and not to deviate as we're ending the podcast, I, I do wonder what is the NBA going to do when it
1: restarts? I have no idea how they're going to figure that out.
0: I don't either. We all kind of got enamored with all this, and 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 that was great because they did pull it off, and baseball's about to finish pulling it off. But we really haven't looked ahead to go, what what you going to do next? Going back to the bubble. Ain't no way the players are going to say we're doing that
1: again. No, and, and that's the thing I, that just I think don't... has become very clear is that they, are, they don't want a bubble, like, in orlando or any types of like mini bubbles where they're playing for a month at a time and i don't blame them i I think i think i think it was
0: good for them for for figuring out a way to finish this season but yeah i'm with them on that i I think if if it's if it's if it's don't play at all or go to the bubble i think they're gonna say we're not gonna play at all
1: yeah i think i think you're right
0: all right we'll talk a lot more about that next week for rick Roy, i'm richard skinner thanks for being with us this has been the skinny podcast the weekly poke re-edition